So, so many trade shows, you you can come inside, you see the product all shiny and you get to see it. But we actually let you run it, drive it, dig, cut, trench, whatever you want. We even have to put up a UTV test track this year. And so we created a drone zone. And so we did flying drones, at, put up a giant tinted, uh, netted area where you could actually get hands-on. And again, that's the unique thing about our shop. We're hands-on. This isn't a place where you look at drones and you fly a simulator. We let you fly the drones indoors in a netted facility. That was the voice of Chris Kaiser, CEO of the Outdoor Power Equipment Institute the OPEI, the organiser of the annual expo held in Louisville, Kentucky for almost 40 years. I'm Chris Biddle. Thank you for joining me for episode 51 of Inside AgriTurf. So as national and international shows return to the calendar after the hiatus caused by the pandemic, I'm delighted to be joined by Chris, who will outline the changes announced for their show for 2022, and by freelance journalist Martin Rickardson from JMR Agriculture, who's just returned from the Italian EMA show held in Bologna. They will be reflecting on these two major events staged on either side of the Atlantic during October and be considering the future format for trade shows in general after a period of virtual showgoing. So, Chris, Martin, and it's really great to catch up with you both. Uh, Chris, first, so how did Expo turn out for you this year? You know, I was um, quite pleased with the outcome. Uh, we were obviously some trepidation with COVID, and we'd lost uh, our show in, 22, in 2020. Um, so we were concerned, you know, would people show up? Would, uh, would we have a good show? Uh, our numbers were quite strong, actually. So we actually drew larger audience and landscape contractors than we had in 2019, which was an outlier banner year. Um, just modestly off on, on exhibit uh, space, so that's largely Chinese and Canadian folks, um, and just modestly down in the dealer attendance. So it was a very, very strong show for us. Very good attendance, very good energy. I just think people were glad to be back. Uh, so we were very quite pleased with the show and its performance. Yeah, that's great. And there was a general good atmosphere, a good vibe about the show, was it, Chris? There, there really was. And there's some excitement, obviously, for two, two, there's some changes that are uh, going to come about. Yeah. So there's some excitement there. Uh, we have some significant changes in the marketplace here. So California is going to ban internal combustion engines. I in see that. Yeah. So there's very strong interest in what options are there for the contractor and dealer. Uh, so certainly in the battery segment, the electric segment, uh, very real interest. And I think over the next couple of years, you'll see significant offerings in that space. Yeah. Uh, to meet those needs. And what sort of uh, restrictions or did you have to have in place safety and so on? Was, was there much obvious that uh, affected the attendees? Actually, candidly, no. Um, now, the state facility uh, had a mask mandate in place, but had informed attendees that it would not be enforced and show organizers were not asked to enforce it. Tough to uh, do on a million and a half square feet and 20 acres and a lot of doors. Um, and so honestly, what we did was in our messaging, uh, was ask attendees to be vaccinated. Yeah. We think here in this country, the problem is mostly of the unvaccinated. And so we asked everybody to be vaccinated and if unable to be vaccinated to wear a mask. So there were very few masks to be seen in a very, very large, uh, audience. And I remember we co-locate with hardscape North America. 
So there's a very significant attendance over there as well. We were joined there in the facility. So didn't see many masks and didn't seem to inhibit. Uh, there were some protocols used for food service, et cetera. But by and large, the show looked much like they have historically looked. Oh, that, that, that's, that's good. Well, look, I'll come back to you in a minute uh, about 2022. Um, so, Martin, if I might just come to you, you've just returned from, uh, from Italy, from EMA. Uh, how was that? What were your impressions of, of that show? It was good to be back to, um, to almost normal. The only major differences you'd have noticed from uh, this past week's show compared to, uh, to one from 18 months ago, maybe, well, one or two missing big names. I think one or two companies hopefully are just sort of seeing how the land lies before they start to recommit to exhibitions and shows again. But the number of visitors was was pretty healthy. I understand um, that the numbers were around three quarters of what the previous events at AIM have been. And I think, as I understand it, that's about where the uh, organizers expected it to be to be fair they, they weren't anticipating a full house you know uh, given the circumstances um so i think they were pretty happy um the, the, as i say the numbers were good i think the uh there were supposedly around a fifth of those around 20 percent of those were from overseas and yeah there were some big name exhibitors missing but i think they'll be back again the CNH brands, the Argo brands were there, and and yeah, it was a, a pretty good atmosphere. It is a big show. I mean, and it encompasses ag and um, outdoor power equipment, turf care, and so on. And I, I see there's something like thirteen hundred and fifty exhibitors. So uh, that that's a major show running over five days. I have seen the attendance figures, which the organisers are saying was. 270,000 people in in all over the five days which uh, is quite a chunk of attendees isn't it uh, did it did it seem crowded and uh, just slightly down it's still a, a good attendance isn't it it certainly didn't seem quiet at any point in time you know the uh, the, the the stands there was a little bit more space to to, to move on the stands perhaps but uh, no it certainly didn't seem empty in any great areas there were still uh, sufficient uh, uh, crowds of people to uh, uh, you know looking for information wanting to talk to people there were plenty of crowds at the food stalls at lunchtime which is always a good sign and health, um, healthy, um, healthy healthy dishes appetites. of pasta yeah absolutely and um no i think from what i understand i, I you know I, I don't think the um exhibitors have any great cause for concern i'm sure there were uh, as you know, the, the next show on the European calendar is, is Agritechnica at the end of February, early March. And I'm sure there were um, uh, representatives from there having a good look just to see, uh, you, you know, how uh, what sort of precedent the uh, the Italian show would set. Were, were, were the Brits, in, and apart from yourself and one or two other colleagues, were, were there many Brits around? I don't think you tend to see as many farmers at at AMA as you do um, Agritechnica and SEMA. Um, but that said, I mean, there were a good few around. Uh, there are quite a few UK companies in sectors like um, crop establishment, uh, Claydon, Missouri, people like this, uh, who were over there uh, from, the, from the supplier side. Customers, farmers, probably not so many, as I say. But there again, you know, there were a good, uh, there was a good healthy Italian attendance and as I say, I think they reckon that between 20 and 25 percent of the overall 
visitor attendance came from overseas. And what about any restrictions? Uh, Chris was just saying uh, what what it what was like in Louisville. Uh, any anything obvious, or was it fairly as normal? I think, apart from the mask wearing, uh, you know, you'd have noticed little difference. <laughs> as you know, it's not easy to have a conversation uh, wearing a mask. So there were a lot of people sitting down on, on tires and tables and chairs and anywhere they could find, so that they could sit at a distance remove masks and and talk uh, clearly uh, but apart from that uh, no i wouldn't have said there was any great difference really it was good to see things getting back to normal oh that's good so chris almost 40 years of expo i think it started in 1984 didn't it um yes and it would have started at expo and it went from gie plus expo and now for 2022 it's going to be what it's going to be Equip Exposition. Okay. Uh, was was that a, a, a name? I think you, you produce a magazine that was called that. So maybe you just followed that. That was our teaser. So, yeah, two years ago, uh, we, we created our own magazine uh, in the space called Equip. And uh, a bit of a teaser. There's a lot of – sorry for the well, – sorry for the dog. That's our Turf Mutt spokes dog. Um, we got a lot of activity on the roof today. We have a roof deck up there. Great. Um, so she's quite – She's quite an, uh, she's interested in what's happening out here. We have glass <laughs> walls. And so she, although they're opaque, we've got the strip of opacity. She's small enough to look under the, under the, um, the glass. So yeah, oh, she great. gets to see it all. Oh, sorry sorry for the interrupt. Sorry for the dog interrupt. What's her name? Welcome. What? She's Mulligan. Oh, um, Mulligan. Known Mulligan. She was adopted at Expo two years ago. We have a national dog adoption event at our trade show Indeed. called Lucky's Mud, Mud, Lucky's Mud Madness. So she was adopted two years ago in Louisville, made the transition, and she's now the spokes dog for the foundation. And, and so you are really the only show. I, I seem to remember many years ago, I came over to the hardware show in, in Chicago, where there was a fair, fairly good representation of outdoor power equipment. But you've taken that mantle now, have you? We really have. Um, we're certainly the largest show in the space. Uh, as you've mentioned, hardware has modest uh, mention of us, if you will. Uh, the rental show as well, which wrote, which you know is not every year. And so we are the, the one show that's really quite unique is it's all equipment in our space. Um, and we have 54 countries attending. So all 50 states, 54 countries. We still have a bit of an international flavor to us. And we want to get back to that. Uh, we yeah. do want to you know, we're a global industry. A lot of most of our significant players are uh, global. So whether they're Steel, Bosch, Jacobson, a um, lot of large players globally come to our show. And you've taken 100% ownership of, of the event now, the, the OPEI. That's correct. And so we've moved the, not only do we own the show in its entirety, we've now moved the management of the show. We had an outside management vendor. So we've moved the management of the show onto our payroll as well. That's why we've created that Louisville office yeah. uh, to house our association staff there, as well as our man show management staff. And I've seen some pictures of it. It's in the historic part of, of Louisville. Those people that know it. And there's also uh, intriguingly named uh, Whiskey Row, I think. So uh, <laughs> for anybody planning a visit, it sounds like a good place to pitch up. Uh, and so this particular office, will it just be solely for uh, show management, Chris, or, or are you going to use it as a sort of a, uh, an extra branch to your headquarters in, in, in Alexandria? It'll be an extra branch. We've already scheduled some association meetings in that space. 
Um, we have we do a lot of standards development. We have a lot of European relationships at the ISO and IEC. We've already begun to schedule uh, some of those into Louisville. Our market statistics committee is already scheduled in there in March. So we have a very significant, we have a large conference room there like we do here. We do a lot of meetings as an association. So we want to use it. Um, obviously, it's a new space, different kind of space. And so our folks, I don't want to say they're tired of coming to Alexandria, but they're used to it. So Louisville gives us another option for our yep. meeting space. And you mentioned Whiskey Row. It is an historic building. It's a beautiful spot. We're just above the river on the Great Lawn. Um, and so we're going to use that. So we're going to have Mulligan's 5K, our first ever 5K run next year, named after our spokes dog, Matt Mulligan. So we want to do a lot more of that in Louisville, which is unique. Oh, that's great. Now, going by a few years, I think um, 2007, if I'm right, uh, Chris, uh, there was some discussion about you taking the show around the country. Um, you, however, stayed in Louisville. What was the rationale behind that? You are exactly right. So in seven, when we merged with the NALP, that was under significant discussion, whether you know to rotate it. And that's one of the reasons NALP pulled out of the partnership is that they did want to rotate. For them, it's a membership development activity. Um, going around the country, different regions. But for us, what we found in our attendees was they very much like the outdoor space. So, so many trade shows, you you can come inside, you see the product all shiny, and you get to see it. But we actually let you run it, drive it, dig, cut, trench, whatever you want. We even have put up a UTV test track this year, significant test track for UTVs. Um, we let you experience the product. Um, and so you can that our members like, and that's very unique to Louisville to have 20 acres that they let you tear up at the back door. And that's the principal reason we stayed. And it lets you develop those long-term relationships that you described with the city of Louisville as a citywide event. And so we want to do more and more in the city, showcase the city and, you know, it's got, it's a unique place. It's got a lot of history to it. Um, and so that's why we're staying. Good. good. Uh, and do you have much of a renovation job to before you hand the site back to the uh, show uh, uh, to, to Expo? <laughs> to, to coin a phrase, we make a hell of a mess. Yeah, we <laughs> we tear that. We tear the hell out of it. So, uh, and we have a lot of backhoes now, and again, trenchers. And so, it's not just mowers. So, the vehicular stuff. Yes, we we now the city and the venue, Kentucky Venues, invested significantly in the KEC this past year. So they've leveled that, elevated it, leveled it tons and tons of dirt uh, put in here, uh, drainage. So it stays much drier. And we built roads through that space, asphalt roads uh, that we've named. So it's Mulligan's Way and Lucky's Lane and Turf Mutt Road. A lot of roads now, which we really do think improved the experience. And so even if it rains, we had a little a spot of rain on Thursday, you can stay dry. You can stay on the asphalt, if you will. We think that's really enhancing the outdoor experience better ingress, egress into the facility with new gates. So we're very pleased with what the city has done to improve that experience. But yes, we've got to return that. So we'll grade <laughs> it, um, seed it, do all the things we can to get that get it green again. Uh, so, uh, Chris, would it be true to say that um, how, getting a, an exposition centre with a, the amount of outside space that you would need is, is not that easy. I, I, I don't know all the venues around the United States, but uh, you, you either have the big outside space or you have the big inside space, and there you've got a combination of both. Uh, it is unique to Louisville. Now, some venues offer outside, outside space, but not near as much. And some, obviously, if you can have it outside, they won't let you tear it up. Or, and or you've got to be bused to a different facility. And so it is unique in that regard, and it's why we're staying. 
Yeah. So if, if we look at the evolution of the show uh, then, Chris, I, I seem to remember in the early days, it was virtually trade only. Um, and then gradually you brought in uh, an end user audience. Presumably that was when you partnered with other uh, landscape associations and so on. Um, does that format work? It does. Um, and so it still remains a private show. Um, so it's landscape contractors and those in the business, dealers, distributors, hardscapers, people who use our equipment like construction. So we're going to leave that model in place. We are not going to open it to the public. So we're going to go forward with that model again, end users. Now it's still, it's not a buying show per se, but you can do business at the show. So, um, but we get the mass retail folks through the show. They attend as well. This works for us. Indeed. And uh, obviously each and every show over time evolves and and you are no exception um and i see and notice from some of the uh, uh, advanced publicity that uh, groups like like drone operations and drones are coming back into the, or coming not back they're coming into the show and that this is becoming an ever more important uh, development for uh, shall i say the outdoor power equipment industry and indeed agriculture absolutely we have to keep it fresh we have to bring in whatever's new what new development in the industry a lot of landscape contractors in this country have very significant challenges with labor, keeping labor, keeping people employed year round. And so they're looking at ways to expand their businesses so they can hold on to their labor um, year round. And so they nosed into um, trees or hardscape, tree work, modest tree work, Christmas tree lights, if you will. Um, how do they hold on to their labor? So a couple of years ago, very significant landscape company that does a lot of tree work said, we would love to have our people to have some tree training, but we need a tree and um, we'll, we'll get you a tree. So we cut down a 70 foot tree, uh, put it on a flatbed, drove it into Freedom Hall, put it into the world's largest Christmas tree stand um, and erected it for tree training. And we did that again this year. Now, the other thing, then we learned quickly from the tree folks, they like to do an inspection of that tree before they put people in it and they use drones. And a lot of large landscape contractors, if you're bidding a college campus or a big corporate campus. They like to get drones up, get, get a sense of the space. You know, what is it draining? Is it wet? What, what's the topography? And so we created a drone zone. And so we did flying drones at, put up a giant tinted or netted area where you could actually get hands-on. And again, that's the unique thing about our shop. We're hands-on. This isn't a place where you look at drones and you fly a simulator. We let you fly the drones indoors in a netted facility. And our investment along those lines, so for 2-2, two, two, just a quick aside, my members want to invest. So we have concert series. So there's a country western guy named Trace Atkins, a very big act. So we've hired him for 2-2. Two, two. Dave Faraday uh, is going to be our keynote speaker. So we've invested in acts, keynoters, education in a meaningful way for 2-2. Two, two. And we've got to keep doing, as you described, like drones, keep bringing the newest and latest to our attendees. With you owning uh, the show, um, we, we know that, that exhibitors do tend to sort of uh, drop in and out of shows. Um, because you are targeting your members as potential exhibitors, uh, and you've got some big names on your board of director representing the likes of Toro and Husfana and John Deere and Honda, and of course, Arians, uh, don't forget Arians. Does that give you a greater pull uh, on their attendance or um, is the decision still made by their money men, despite the wishes of their OPE members? Oh, I think the executive management of those companies make the decision. You know, it's a business call. Um, 
but they're there in a meaningful way. And so what they've determined, um, and the COVID did show us how important the trade show was. So they were there in a very meaningful way. They've been there year over year. And one of the things uh, that the trade show does is, you, you know, you don't want to lose your space. So these people have established their location in the hall. That real estate is theirs as long as they continue year over year. Um, so they've made the business decision that it's wise for the business. It's smart for the business. And they're booking an experience or business that they can't otherwise do. And that's what they've shared with me. So the off year, I actually think helped us. It reminded them of how important that show is to their business model. And the kind of business they can do is hard to replicate with people on the phone or people on the road. So it's a unique experience. And so I think our you mentioned some of my major members. They're there in a meaningful way. They're going to stay there. It does help that now my board of directors, where a lot of those companies are represented, um, are now managing it directly, both as an owner and as a manager. And so we do have a, a direct to connect with, with the senior management of those companies. And so I think you'll see them there. Yeah, um, I, I have an old saying that I used to use, if you can hear it. It is that uh, you can't fax a handshake. Um, right. But now nobody knows what the fax is now. So uh, you can't tweet a handshake. And we are very much in a tire kicking industry, aren't we? We, we like to, to feel touch uh, and, and so on. Um, if we really both of you, if, if, if we look at shows in, in general, uh, we've had this hiatus, we've had this pause. Um, and obviously people had to show organizers had to make alternative arrangements. Um, are we going to see the growth of, shall we call them hybrid shows, which really uh, combine a, a standard show with exposure outside? Uh, Martin, I think I saw on the EMA site that they were beaming uh, a lot of the content um, to uh, filming it and making it available on YouTube or whatever channel. Uh, were you aware of that? Yeah, it is something they publicised uh, before the event, the, the, the fact that they were going to do this. And I suppose that that did, you know, give them the ability to say to the exhibitors, look, you know, we are giving you a wider audience than the one that has walked through the doors. I don't know how easy it was for them to, to measure that audience and to prove how big it was. But it did give, um, you know, the opportunity for a lot of people who, who didn't or weren't able to get on a plane and come to Italy uh the the ability to uh to see what was being shown at, at Imer and um and you know how well attended the, the show was so i suppose there is another you know it's it's uh, all of the show organizers have had to think of new ways to um uh you know to attract audiences whether physical or virtual as it were and um you know that that seemed to be a, a rather clever idea and from what i gathered you know worked reasonably well uh, and Chris, as far as you're, you're concerned, um, are there any plans to present the show to people who can't attend next year, say? Chris, we did create um, in the off year uh, a digital offering, right, Expo to Go. We had significant interest in uh, good numbers on that. But there really is a and we'll continue year round as a communications platform to our attendees and exhibitors throughout the year. But th my members have made the decision that they very much want it to be a hands-on experience. We will have a digital offering. We will, we're not going to try to bring the show to you visually on video, if you will. And so we do have some, uh, we had some video crews there. We will, you will see more of that. But with the exception of the robotics, when there, we had significant robotics, again, hand control, remote stuff uh, at the facility this year, we very much, as you described, 
our stuff is a hands-on experience. If you see one of our machines working, it's usually attached to a person, right? It's a doing a job. Again, with the exception of the robotics, that's the model we're going to stay with. And so we'll have a year-round digital platform for the show, but we still want to remain very much a hands-on experience. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Martin, from your experience and your contact with manufacturers in general, um, how important are the majors, the big multinationals to, to a show? Because they seem to sort of drop in and out. John Deere, I think, announced that they weren't going to go to some of the shows uh, this year. Do, do, do you think they are important? Because we've seen other shows where majors haven't uh, attended or maybe only attended on a, every other year. And, and it could be said that that actually gives more exposure to the smaller companies, of course. But um, what, what's your thoughts? Do, do we need all the majors all the time at the shows i think certainly the 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 loss of big names um it leaves a gap uh, obviously in terms of um allowing visitors to be able to compare and contrast and see who's on the market Uh, and they do notice obviously when uh uh, big names are missing you know that said it gives other companies and, and those brands that do commit the chance to um you know, put themselves in front of an audience that they might they might not otherwise have had. Certainly, the likes of um, you know Argo tractors, McCormick Landini, for instance, been uh, were one of the few tractor manufacturers at EMA. They were one of a handful of tractor manufacturers at the last Lama uh, in the UK, and I think um, you know it, it does help to raise the profile of companies like that. Does it mm. affect the pull of a show when? The majors pull out. I don't know. It's it's hard to see, really. It'll be interesting to know what happens with the likes of John Deere, whether they commit again to shows once we find our way out of the end of this pandemic, if that's where we're headed, hopefully. Um, but you know, companies like Class have, have recommitted for Agrotechnica in in uh, end of February, early March next year, and um, I think uh, you know the. the the success of EMA showed to me that, you know, there is a bit of space there, I think, yet for um, yeah. for, for companies still to, um, uh, you know, to use shows as a marketing tool. How important are they to you, Chris? Oh, critical. And I think business understands, you know, competitors will fill that vacuum. So if you're not there, your competitors may be. And that certainly hasn't, you know, hasn't gone unrecognized. So we saw, again, very stable exhibitor attendance with the exception of the Chinese and Canadians that still had travel restrictions in place relative to COVID. Other than that, we saw very little movement in exhibitor space. The one change we did see uh, a couple of these significant, um, significant exhibitors wanted more outdoor space. And so they shrunk their indoor personnel to enhance the outdoor experience. Now we only had X amount of space. We did sell some asphalt. We called it dirt. It's sitting on asphalt, <laughs> but we, we did sell some additional outdoor space. So there was some interest in expanding the outdoor. I think folks felt that might be a safer experience for right now. It was very clear to me that my major manufacturers, and I think they'd be a big hole. They would be missed. We want them there. They knew their competitors would fill that space. And so they were there. Great stuff. Um, it's generally accepted. And, and of course, in the United States, you're far more reliant on aviation than we are here in the in the UK and indeed in Europe. And there is a general acceptance that business travel and, and so on is going to be impacted for maybe two, three, four years. Right. Um, do you think this will have an impact on the show? It, I think so. I think there's still some trepidation, although 
Um, I, I, I travel quite a bit and the planes are full. And so the airports yeah. are full. The challenge becomes, and we saw it a little bit in Louisville, is the tangential businesses. And so the restaurants weren't up to speed. The restaurants weren't fully staffed. Hotels were not offering in-room meal service. So our, our, there are industries that support us that are still struggling with labor issues and personnel issues. The airlines are struggling to come back in, to, full, to full capacity. Yeah. The planes I've been on are full. Yeah. Uh, now, granted, you have to wear a mask and they've adapted. So the airports and, and the airlines have adapted. And so we, we need to see more traffic. But if that remains impacted, it does potentially adversely affect us. Sure. Uh, I've seen it suggested by some surveys of trade shows in general that uh, maybe organizers might have to expect uh, maybe fewer numbers in the future, but a better quality of visitor. Um, I mean, I think in the past, uh, a lot of people have gone to shows uh, who belong to companies. It's, it's a day out. It's a social. It's They're not necessarily the order uh, makers. Or, or, or. Do, do you think that might be the case? Uh, Chris? It's a very good point. Uh, yes. Now, what we, we did see, a lot of our major manufacturers or exhibitors have social functions. So again, we have a three-day concert series. There's a lot of venues around what's called 4th Street Live. Um, that They recommitted to that. So they were there in a meaningful way. There was a lot of social activity around those events. We had perfect weather, very significant attendance. We actually want to span our members have come to us and said, we want to expand those offerings because there's only limited space to that. So maybe it's an opening event, a closing event, a tented event on the Great Lawn, other things offered. Our influencers do a very large event. I think they had 400 people there at a, at a facility. They utilize the caverns there in Louisville, but it, it's critical for us. And so, yes, I think they'll continue to use those. We've already had, because we've been on our concert series, we have a big act. So people are already coming to us to say, we're trying to lockdown spaces at the concert series to socialize and engage their, their principal customers. And Martin, you know, if you look at the whole trade show scene, uh, what do you, what is the underlying value in, in, in trade shows? You're, you're a journalist. Uh, you, you, you rely on gathering information and, uh, and meeting people and so on. Uh, what do you tend to look for out of a trade show or what indeed do you get out of a trade show? There's no doubt that it's a better way of, of um, without stating the obvious, you know, we, we, standing in front of people and, and actually talking, they're, regardless of the progress of the internet, uh, you know, it's still actually a long drawn out process to contact people, to find information, to compare information, whether you're a, a journalist or a customer or a, a dealer looking for a new franchise. Um, I can't think of many better ways of being able to walk around a trade show where everybody or most people in that trade are, are present with a show stand, most of the suppliers. You know, you're then able to, to look at all the different uh, suppliers in a certain trade area and just compare and contrast. And, and I think that's what gives, uh, that's, what, that's what a show gives me as a journalist. And I'm sure it gives the same to most people um, seeking out a machine to buy. Uh, or a franchise to take on the the, the 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 computer and the internet for all their values uh, can only go so far. And um, as we've said, I think there's nothing to compare actually, you know, uh, uh, sitting on a machine, um, looking at it from all angles and, and getting every, uh, every piece of information you need there and then to compare and contrast. And, and Chris, how, how do you present the USP of, 
uh, an attendance at what will be a quip. You know, and I want to echo what Martin just said. I think Martin was spot on. Um, one of the things that the trade show offers is the peer-to-peer experience. We call ours a family reunion. Now, we're 40 years young. Lots and lots of the same folks, the same industries, the same companies come year over year over year and they're seeing new equipment, but they're learning from one another. And there's a lot of peer to experience. We'll have some education sessions um, for the landscape contractor, for the hardscape contractor, for the irrigation contractor, for the tree contractor. So we've pushed into all that space, but this is where they come to learn from one another. COVID was good. We had a very strong year. The business was very strong in the COVID year. We're having a very strong this year. And there were contractors that did very well, contractors that didn't. And this is the place to understand why some were successful, why they weren't. There's a lot of peer-to-peer experience. You can't replicate that, as you said, via fax. Uh, it's very challenging. You know, we're all tired of Zoom. We do a lot of business with Zoom, but we're ready to... Ours is a real-world experience. Ours, We're not in finance or paper or real estate. We have machines. We're an iron show. And so... We, we're there to show you the iron, experience the iron, and learn from others who use it in a meaningful way or a similar way. So I think Martin was spot on. It's For us, it's a peer-to-peer experience, and it's we call it a family reunion. And we get together, we have fun, we do a lot of work in books and business. And, and I guess uh, a lot of the world is talking about uh, the environment at the moment and the importance of protecting the environment. How important is it to for shows to be able to demonstrate uh, and highlight sustainability and green uh, credentials? Ma- Martin, um, are you seeing much of uh, that element coming through into shows? For the exhibitions themselves and the, the businesses behind them, the, the exhibition organisers, uh, I think there's a big drive towards making their, uh, their their shows and exhibitions more sustainable now. You know, you see a lot less, uh, you see a lot more recycling, a lot less waste around the days of everything being covered in a in a in a you know big sheets of plastic the night before the show uh, seem to be uh, drifting into the past. Certainly, I was there the day before EMA, and there's a lot more you know recycling going on. There's a lot more emphasis on um, even on, you know, right down to things like e-bikes, uh, the, the porters that are still moving things around the showgrounds. Anything that brings a lot of people together in one place is going to have a certain environmental impact. But I think mm. the, the, the the companies uh, behind these exhibitions are you know clearly quite aware of that. And seem to be doing a you know a fair bit to uh, to mitigate it. There's a lot of um, uh, recycling uh, initiatives going on. A lot of posters detailing how these companies are dealing with waste and so forth. So yeah, I think from from that point of view, there's a lot that's being done to try to mitigate the impact. And, and Chris, what, what about you? What about you over there in Louisville? We we have an entire foundation dedicated to it. Um, I'm looking here on my desk, uh, the Service Dealer magazine there in the UK, May, June. Uh, I'm on, Yes, I'm on the cover, Backyarding to the Future. So that's part of our education arm. For us during COVID, so the Turfmont Foundation helps kids better understand the benefits of the living landscape. Nature starts at your back door, all the benefits to green space. You know, we call it for, forest washing, et cetera. It helps us deal with anxiety and stress in a meaningful way, and it helps the environment. We're the people that create those green spaces and help you maintain that. Our largest carbon sink in the country are in America are our lawns. So that's on the climate change front. So the Turf Mud Foundation speaks to that. We take that quite seriously at Expo. And so we have backyarding. 
we have turf mutt types. So during COVID, when people reconnected in this country meaningfully back to their yards, back to their outdoor space, that safe space. And so people, whether you exercise in the yard, I have an office outside now. So I have an office outdoors. So we have like 12 personality types for the outdoors. We now are going to be in two television series again uh, in the spring. We're the United States Green Building Council Global Learning Lab. The Turf Mud Education Programs for stay-at-home parents who suddenly found themselves educators during COVID were widely, widely used. And we've now reached 70 million kids, teachers, and families through our Turf Mud program. And again, that's valuing the living landscape, um, right plant, right place. And so we're dedicated to that. We have a foundation to that effect. And so we, that's, you, you see that a lot. It's one of the reasons we have a, remember Turf Mutt, the superhero cartoon character that voices our program is a rescue dog. Any dog can be a Turf Mutt. Our latest Turf Mutt spokes dog was an actual rescue at Expo. So we have a rescue event. We partner with the Humane Society. All that dovetails together to create an education platform that's sticky for kids. Uh, that dog makes it sticky because there's a real live dog behind the cartoon character. And it benefits our, obviously it benefits our business. The underlying asset is valued. So you need machines for that. And so that's why my members fund that foundation. And, and your future show agenda is going to be very much uh, guided and influenced by what is happening legisl legislatively, if I can say that properly, um, as you right at the beginning mentioned about the Californian uh, ban on, on gasoline engines uh, on small units. Uh, and so that is going to be a real challenge for the industry in general, isn't it? It most certainly is. Uh, it, it's obviously the largest market in the country, one of the largest in the world. And so, and we've seen that trend already, though, on the handheld side in the, in the States, more than 50% of handheld product is now battery, battery electric, um, walk behind mowers are approaching that number. We're seeing a significant shift now. One of the great things about our show is we saw significant entry, say, in the zero turn marketplace and the stand on ride-ons with lithium ion. So over the next two years to deal with that trend and deal with the regulatory space, particularly in California, we don't see yet the federal government going down that road. But significant market adjustments, significant market challenges for manufacturers in that space, uh, and change is upon us. And so we welcome that change. Uh, we're adapting to it. Our engine product meets the latest emissions. I think you're going to see some evolution in engine product as well for the commercial, larger commercial users. Um, but certainly significant, significant changes in battery offerings yet to come. Indeed. Well, look, we've had a, a wonderful trawl through the, the, the new expo um, or the new equip, shall I say, um, and the show uh, scene in general, the trade show scene in general. So can I thank you, uh, Martin, and to Chris for your uh, for getting together today? Uh, and can I just ask, lastly, I think the COVID, one thing it has done, it's, it's given us a little bit of time and space to reconsider some of the things that we do in our business life or our, our personal life. Um, is there anything, Martin, that you've you've decided that uh, you, you would make a change or an advantage or even a disadvantage in the last few months? That's a difficult one. I mean, it, it's certainly been I've, I've realized lately how much you, you do miss getting out onto um, onto farm and into factories and into dealerships and things. So I think to be, if it doesn't sound too trite, it'd be something like really making more of those opportunities when they come up, because especially as journalists, we can get very blasé about all these sorts of things. And then when 
the ability to visit these places and talk directly to these people gets taken away for 18 months, as it has done, uh, you know, you realise how much poorer this type of job is. You know, there are lots of jobs you can do remotely, but working in the in the outdoor industry, whether it's agriculture, horticulture, turf care, isn't something you can easily do remotely. So, so my change would be just, yeah, making sure that I make more opportunity uh, as things slowly get back to normal and uh, making more of, of, you know, talking to people face to face again. And, and, and Chris, you might have had chance to sort of press the pause button over, over months. What did that tell you? Absolutely. And I certainly agree with Martin. Um, you know, I'm in the association business. I represent manufacturers who collectively come together to address challenges or opportunities of concern collectively to find common ground. That means getting together and meetings. That's, you know, the association model is forum. We provide the forum by which these members get together. Um, Same thing with the trade show. We provide the forum by which they get together. Look, if you don't want to solve a standard problem or a legal problem, it's tough to do on Zoom. And so we've learned that there is no substitute for that face-to-face meeting um, in our model. Now, granted, we'll do some additional hybrid stuff, but we believe in meetings. We believe in face-to-face um, problem solving and a face-to-face expo. Well, that's terrific. And so once again, can I thank you very much indeed for your time. Uh, it's fascinating. Um, I think since I became a journalist, I mean, like 35 years ago, the one banker subject to write about was always shows because they were always evolving and changing and arguing people. But here we have uh, the next stage. So, uh, Chris, can I wish you well in your preparation? Because I guess this is the 12 month of the year operation. You finish one show and you're immediately into the next one. And uh, and Martin also, uh, uh, may you uh, uh, get around much more and, and, and find, uh, uh, enjoy the, the face-to-face and the handshaking and the, the flesh pressing and so on. Can I thank you very much indeed? Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Martin. I hope, hopefully we'll see the two of you in Louisville soon. I hope so. Yeah, I enjoyed that dialogue. Uh, most interesting. So I imagine every show organiser is now looking at their solutions for keeping the show on the road during the past year or so. And whether some elements of that virtual access need to be added. Uh, a hybrid show is certainly being considered by some. On the whole, though, the overwhelming desire is for a face-to-face, hard-driving, tyre-kicking, immersive experience that meets the needs of an outdoor industry. I'm Chris Biddle. Thanks for joining me. And this is Inside AgriTurf.